Today, we continue looking at how we can be intentional about making spiritual progress in our life. Last week, our focus was to clarify our purpose, and this week, we want to think about our priorities. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. Now, as we're discovering, there are lots of moving parts to the journey, but our foundation is always built on the solid rock that is Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize and keep making steps forward on your spiritual journey. Well, last week, we talked about seeing the needs in the world, particularly the important need for more harvest workers. But last week, there are a couple of things we'll just review quickly. Uh, one of the holdups is, of course, change requires change. <laughs> we mentioned that. And there are two kinds of goals that we mentioned, work goals. This is what you can do. And then there's also faith goals. This is what only God can do. And I challenge you, pray about those big needs that you see in the world. And as you're doing that, you should be considering God's Word and what He has said is important and how the world lines up with what God says the world should be, what He desires it to be. So we should complain. We should not complain. Rather than complain, we should be praying about those needs that we see in the world and asking the question, who is going to be doing that work? Who is the one uh, that is going to be that harvest worker that we're praying for? And perhaps it's you. Ask God to give you a burden for that work. Well, we also looked at John 15, 9 to 17, and looked at five truths from that passage. God wants you to abide in Jesus. God wants you to have real joy. That should not be a surprise, but some people seem to think God wants you to be miserable. No, God wants you to have actual abiding joy. Jesus is a true friend, even when you have no one else, and even in the midst of your trials. And you are chosen. That's a huge thing. God wants you even when no one else does. And God wants you to have a fruitful life. We're created for good works. Uh, we're chosen to bear fruit. And He tells us how to do that. Primarily, it's by following Him and being His disciple. Well, as we looked at that last week <clears throat> and thought through the, the truth that we're made, we're designed for a purpose, this week we want to look at and consider how exactly do I live out that purpose? Now, hopefully you have done as I recommended and spent some time really praying about and thinking about the call that Jesus has made to all of his followers. And it's something I repeat all the time, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And actually, the way that recently I've been putting it, and I like to combine two verses, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is combining two statements that Jesus made. And as you think about those two purpose, those two statements, he's really clarifying what your purpose is, regardless of your age, your income, your job title, or current address. What Jesus calls you to be is his ambassador, is to be a disciple maker. I think Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20 very clearly gives us that call to be a disciple maker and tells us that we help other people to put into practice all the things that He's instructed us to do. And there's a, an assumption there that we are actually living those things out ourselves. So deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is God's purpose for you. No matter what you're doing in life, no matter where you are, no matter what you see going on around you, you're meant to bring Christ into that situation. 
So how do you see your priorities every day? How do you figure out exactly what you're supposed to be doing? The question we often ask ourselves is, what do I focus on today? Another way to put it is, how do I live out that purpose that God has for me? Because no matter who you are, what your job is, where you live, you do have this same calling to follow Him, and He will make you fishers of men. But you also have to make a living. Uh, if you have a family, you need to feed your family. You have all of these practical things. And the question is, how do I do that? What does that look like? Now, living in the world today, and information is at our fingertips, the thing is the world gives you lots of ideas. Now, they're not always in line with God's Word, but they certainly give you lots of ideas, ways that you can think about this. Now, lots of churches actually take on men like Peter Drucker's advice. Uh, if you know who he is, he's a management guru. He's written lots of books. He has five, he calls them magic questions. And his consulting advice really comes down to these five questions. And a lot of churches would take these and say, hey, these are pretty good questions. So what are they? Well, there's an article called Peter Drucker's Five Magic Questions. I put it in the uh, show notes. With the answers, uh, you can grow your business, but how does that work in life or in the church? Well, here, let's look at them. Here are Drucker's Five Magic Questions. First, what's your mission? Okay, now that's, that's a question that we actually would ask, right? What is the mission of the church? What's my mission as a follower of Christ? The thing is, uh, he asked it like you have to figure it out, and that's not true for the church or for you individually. Now, you may have to figure out some of the practical aspects of what that looks like in your context in the world today, given who you are, your spiritual gifting, and all those kind of things. But what your actual mission is, is not a question. <laughs> that's, that's not something we need to be wrestling with. God tells us what he's called us to do. Uh, we are uh, called to glorify him, to follow him, to be his disciple, to be an ambassador, to be salt and light. There's lots of different ways that he puts it. And if you want to think about our mission in, in light of the church and those special relationships that we have in the church body, you can look throughout the New Testament and look at all the different times it says one another. You know, I'm, all the time I'll mention the one another's. Well, we're supposed to live those out, not not just know them. <laughs> you could have a list and hang it on your wall and you could memorize it, know it backwards and forward. But if you don't live it out, uh, you're failing in your mission. <laughs> you're not being the person that God intends for you to be. We're actually intended to live out these things. So our mission is, is not in question. It is very clear. Now, the problem is we think about this idea of what our mission is, what our purpose is, and often the world wants you to look inside. Oh, look at your heart. What are your dreams? Follow your dreams. And people will go on things like Vision Quest and uh, it's all kind of crazy stuff that people will do to try to figure out what's their, their mission, what is their purpose in life, what is their vision, what would they like to do. And I would say you don't start there. You start with what did God clearly say first? Let's get down the things that are uh, in black and white that there's no, no question about. And I would say that one of those things without question is you're called to be a disciple maker. So how do you live that? Absolutely. You can ask that question. What does that look like given my relationships and my family and my responsibilities in the world today? Absolutely. You can ask that. But 
don't question your mission. I mean, that's clear. Uh, we are given that calling. You're saved for a purpose, and that purpose is uh, to glorify God through carrying out His ministry on this world. I think I, I always love the way that Paul put it, to be ambassadors for Christ. That is your mission. That's your, your calling. And it does take what we mentioned earlier, deny yourself, take up your cross. Okay, no one says it's easy, <laughs> and particularly if you're in a context where you maybe got saved later in life and you have a lot of responsibilities and you have family and th- there are a lot of things that can make it difficult where you are right now. Saying that it's difficult is very diff- different than saying, I don't know what it is. I, I can agree with a lot of people that, yeah, it's, you're in a difficult situation. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Um, I've been in difficult situations. I think most people are. Some people are in situations I can't even fathom and imagine, you know, how they make it through each day. There are people like that. But their mission is not any different. It's a matter of how it's lived out, given who they are and how God made them. The wonderful thing is our mission is uh, clear, and how we are to live it out is very much in line with how God made us. God made you and created you and called you for a purpose. I mean, that's one of the things we looked at last week in John 15, in verse 16, where he says, we're chosen to bear fruit. We are called to bear fruit. We're called to be on this mission and to be fruitful on this mission, to do good works. So our mission is not unclear. It's, it's crystal clear. So when you look at these five questions, that, that really is not a question Although I suppose it is a question that you have to answer, you have to make sure that you understand that. Do you understand what that mission is, what that looks like in the world today? Certainly those are questions you need to ask. How does your church live that out? Okay, that's a good, uh, a good question. So the first question, what is your mission? It, it is actually a valid uh, topic that we need to discuss. We need to make sure that we understand the mission of the church. And I would say that's to be uh, disciple makers who are involved in multiplying disciples in churches. That's the only way that the mission that Jesus has of reaching every person to become disciples of Jesus who glorify God with their life, that's the only way it will be reached, is through disciple makers who are making disciple makers in churches that are reproducing churches. Uh, There's no other way. Second question. It says, who is your customer? Now, this is one that a lot of of churches ask, but they get wrong if you ask me, because they ask, who is your customer? And they're thinking about their contacts in the community. They're thinking about their neighborhood, and they think about the world around them as their customer. And boy, that's just, <laughs> the world is not the customer of the church. Let me say that clearly. The church exists for Jesus exist for the glory of God. So the church is not here to meet the needs of the community first. The church is here to glorify God, to be obedient to Him, to be that body of Christ. If you ask the question, who is our customer? You're thinking about the church or even yourself. Who am I trying to please with my life? It has to be God first. The customer is not other people. I think we 
run into that as the church. We think about our neighborhood and people want to do demographic studies, which I'm all for. I think you need to do that. But that's not to tell you who you're trying to please. (laughs) We're here to glorify God. And as an individual, my life, the reason I make the choices I make is because one day I'll answer to God. I'm not going to answer to the world. There's never a time when either the church or you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, will stand an answer to the world. We will stand an answer to God. He is our customer, if we want to ask, ask the question that way. Uh, we, had, we do have to make sure and clarify. We think about our mission, why we do it, how we do it, and all those things. It is helpful to understand who we're doing this for, uh, why we're doing it. You know, if you feel like we're doing it because we're, we're nice and there's some needs in our community, uh, that's probably not going to sus- sustain your church to really uh, be consistent year in and year out and do the work because it's, it's work. It's not easy. But when you understand that we do this because God is. We do what we do because God loved us first. We do what we do because God's desire is that every person be in a right relationship with Him. And His strategy, His method for accomplishing that is the church. We are His strategy. We are His number one tactic. There is no plan B. He chose to use the church. He is the one we're here to serve. He is the one we're here to please. So our mission is His mission, the missions of Christ, of reconciliation with the world. Our customer, the one we're trying to please, is God. We want to do it in the way that He desires, in the way that He laid out. It's one reason I think looking at the Gospels and seeing how Jesus did disciple-making ministry is so important for us. We look at not just what was important to Him, but how He did it, how He accomplished this ministry. And I think as we align ourselves with Him, uh, we glorify Him. And we accomplish his purpose. So kind of right in line with that, the third question is, what does your customer value? Well, if you started out with the wrong customer, you're already in trouble, right? So if you start out with, well, our customer as a church is our neighborhood and we need to know what their needs are. Well, then you you may want to know what they value. And that's going to impact how you do ministry, how you serve them. But If you've answered this biblically and your customer clearly is God and you ask the question, what does God value? Okay, well, (laughs) that's clearly a different answer and it's clearly going to drive you in a different direction than when you ask about your neighbors, about the world around you and around your church and your neighborhood. We have to start at the top with the right answers. If, If we're trying to please the world... We consider what the world values, and we consider how we can modify what we do and how we do it to make it pleasing to the world. I I just don't see that that's what Jesus did. If he is not just our, uh, the head of the church, but he is our role model in how to carry out ministry, certainly he recognized the actual needs in the community, and he did do things to meet actual physical needs. And I think That's important for us as a church to do. We look around us and look for those opportunities to meet physical, real, here and now needs. But the goal is to open the door for those spiritual needs to be met, not just to make people around us happy and and healthy and, and feel satisfied, 
uh, that's failing in ministry. We don't address those spiritual needs. So what did Jesus value? And often the way I put it is I need to know what Jesus valued, what he loved, what he hated, and I need to value those things. I need to love those things and hate those things just as much as he did. And that's hard for us. You know, we often are, are distracted by the things of the world. I mean, the world has lots of shiny things to offer us, and we're distracted by those. Uh, technology is always bringing up something new and shiny and challenging us for the ways that this will make our life easier or better. Or we're pulled away from our true task. Go back to the top. What is our mission? We're pulled away from the mission. We begin to uh, forget that God is our customer, the one we're trying to please, and we begin to please ourselves. Uh, and then we ask, what do I want? <laughs> and we've, then we miss uh, across the board. We're, we're beginning to have trouble. So Drucker asks, what is your mission? Good question to ask. But again, it's, it's not really something we're trying to discover. It's, it's already there, clear. Who is your customer? Again, it, it's simple. It's easy for us to make the wrong assumption that it's our neighbor, but it's actually God. And what is our customer value? Well, this is why we continue to say we need to read God's Word. You need to be in it. Your uh, time spent in God wor- God's Word and in prayer is what transforms your mind so that you are living out the values of God. The fourth question then, what results do you seek? And in the context of a business, you know, they are looking to uh, formulate a business plan and know what their priorities are and and how they uh, are going to operate going forward. But in the context of the church, if we're answering these questions correctly and we're in the right ballpark, we're going to say, well, our mission is the message of reconciliation and uh, disciple making that God has put in front of us. Our customer is actually God. We seek to glorify Him. Uh, We look at His values and even the way that He... uh, lived those out as Jesus walked the world and as he uh, was a disciple maker and taught us these concepts, what were the results that he was seeking? Well, they're no less than life transformation. And I think we should seek the same results. Uh, and this something recently I've been thinking about just in the context of our church and the way that we operate as a church and the things that we expect. You know, unfortunately, as churches in the world today, we often are quite satisfied with attenders, with people who are present on weekends. And we say our church is doing well, it's healthy if we have a full house, if the seats are full, people are consistently showing up. And we're quite happy with that. But that's not really the metric that Jesus was going by. Um, by that metric, when he had the large crowds, say, like, wow, he was doing really good. But then when he said the hard things that caused so many of them to walk away, he said, wow, that was, that was pretty bad. <laughs> he was not getting good results then. He, he got down to, you know, not that many at the end, but he had thousands of people that were hearing him earlier and said, wow, he's got great results. But they weren't actually on board. So what are our results? Well, the results that Jesus was looking for was a handful of fully committed men who understood who he is and what his plan for the world is, and they were prepared to do anything to follow him and to be obedient to what he had to say. They were the anchors for the New Testament church. So his result that he was seeking was a few men that were be completely discipled and ready to carry out the next phase of ministry. When I think we often are satisfied with something that's far less than that, 
uh, something that's far less meaningful, that is not as lasting. And uh, we tend to take the metrics of the world. So recently I was at a, a conference and the way they talked about it was the scorecard. You know, in churches, we have kind of a traditional scorecard. We don't maybe not use that term, but when we ask how a church is doing, we would say, well, it depends on the size of the church. You might say, well, it's, it's doing well because it has a couple hundred people it, and it's been growing. have a few more people attending and people are contending consistently uh, and the, the budget is doing well. You know, we're not uh, in, in debt. We have uh, more people tithing recently or at least giving. So financially we're in good shape and we have a good number of people showing up. So we're, we're probably doing okay. Uh, the pastor's salary is paid. Um, we look at this scorecard and go, yeah, we're, we're doing okay. That's not the scorecard that I believe Jesus used. Um, Jesus looked at the hearts and looked at transformation and people who really, um, well, what does he call? Uh, he, he made that challenge to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He was looking for people that actually would do that not people who would follow when it was easy or when it was time for a meal or when they needed something, but people who would follow no matter what. They were willing to throw aside everything, leave their family, leave their jobs, and commit to following Him. That's what He was looking for. That was the result that Jesus was seeking. Are we looking for that result in our church? And I would say most of the time not. We're happy with the tenders. We're not looking at the number of people who are prepared and active in gospel ministry, sharing the gospel, discipling friends and neighbors, and actually seeing the ministry of Christ go forward. We don't consider that as one of the things that we evaluate, and we have trouble evaluating that. How many people are involved? How do we even keep track of that kind of thing? Well, we're not asking those questions, so of course... We don't have good answers. What results are we looking for? I think it's, it's certainly a good question for us to ask. As a church, it probably applies a little bit to your life too. What are you looking for? I mean, if you started with these questions and you're putting them in the context of what God has to say, and you understand that my mission is to be a disciple maker, to be a, a committed follower of Jesus, engaged in the ministry of reconciliation. Who is my customer where it's, it is God? And what does he value? I'm studying God's word. I'm spending time in his word so I know what he values. Then what results am I seeking? <clears throat> well, I should be seeking personal, spiritual trans transformation. I should be desiring to see day in and day out, year in and year out, a difference in my life. And if that's the case, I, I am seeking those results that God has for me. Then this fifth question that Drucker asked is actually a really good one, assuming we answered the earlier questions biblically. Question five, what's your plan? <laughs> now, that's, to me, it's almost funny. I think a lot of, of churches don't have really a plan uh, per se. They have a, a broad idea of 
what the church should do, and it's largely based on tradition. This is what our church has always done, so more or less we try to keep this, the calendar full doing what we've always done. That's a little different than having an actual plan that you're working to try to carry out this mission of God in the world today. Now, if you have not answered correctly that idea of the mission and customer and, you know, understand what you seek, then yeah, you're, you're probably, you, you may not see the need for a plan. But for me personally, I, I kind of look at the New Testament and see that Jesus was very intentional about carrying out this ministry of reconciliation, about carrying the, the news of the kingdom to the world. He was intentional not just in carrying out that ministry and carrying out that message, but he was intentional about choosing and preparing the disciples, preparing them to carry on that ministry. So he spent a, a lot of time with those guys, making sure that they were ready to do what needed to be done, making sure they were ready for the next steps. Now, I don't see any way to look at the New Testament and the, the Gospels in particular, in particular without really seeing that he was doing something. He was very, very intentional, and he kept pointing the way forward. You know, he told his disciples for a long time ahead of time, this is what's going to happen. You know, he once he got to a certain place in ministry, he began to tell them, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to I'm going to have to die and rise again. And they didn't understand that, and they weren't ready to understand that. But he understood it. <laughs> the point is that he had a plan. He knew what he was doing, and he was preparing them for what would come next after that. And he understood that they're not really going to be on the same page until later, but they're going to remember this. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to bring these things back to their mind. So he's preparing them. And then after the resurrection, he spent 40 days, again, making sure that they understand and probably filling in a lot of the gaps where they weren't really quite listening or understanding or tracking beforehand. They certainly were listening afterward. And then you see the result of that as the church just exploded. Well, Jesus was very intentional about spending that time preparing them for the ministry that was to come. Well, I, I see that need in both our own individual life and in the church to understand our mission, to understand what actually we're trying to accomplish, and then to make real efforts to accomplish that. Uh, if I look at my life and I say, you know, I need to be changing in, in my character, in my actions, and becoming more like Jesus— and understand that's what God is doing in my life, and those are the results that I want to see. I want to see different actions. I want to see different attitudes. I want to see different conversations and different uh, relationships going forward. Well, to make that happen, I, I want to be intentional, and I want to have some idea of a plan. I want to be intentionally living out choices that will take me in that direction over time. It's not an overnight shift, an overnight change. It's going to take some time to reach that. So part of my life as a disciple is attempting really to live out the things that Jesus taught. So we're going to take a break, and then we'll be back with a few uh, biblical thoughts on adjusting our priorities. 